Hello, everyone. Now, before, before we start, I've got a little gift for you today. Um, well, actually, it's a gift for one out of two of you. So, um, um, uh, my assistant here will just hand these out. There's, um, there should be enough, like I say, for one between two. So, if you could just give me a quick hand, if, uh, not hand, as in give me a hand to hand them out um, if, in each block, maybe. Thank you. Okay. Let me just prep myself as the small child screaming just uh, <laughs> fades into the distance very slowly. Okay. <laughs> yep, there he goes. <laughs> All right, so, hello, everyone. Uh, if you're if you're a guest here today, uh, then hello, welcome. Um, let me just explain what we're, what we're going to be doing. Because um, Christians, Christianity for 2,000 years has uh, made this uh, extraordinary, outrageous and glorious claim that, uh, that there is a God, that he's interested in us, and that he speaks to us when we listen. And that could be as individuals, it could be as a, a church, it could be as a community. And... Um, and that happens through worship, when we sing together, uh, when we pray, even just spending time together and talking. But also when we look at the Bible, uh, particularly, this is when God speaks to us. And that can happen on your own, or it can happen in this kind of setting where, where one of us uh, talks to everyone else. So that's what we're going to do today. And let me just actually, while the, while the little uh, leaflet's being handed out, I'll just, I'll just pray. Um, Father God, thank you that you do speak to us, that you listen and you talk to us, Lord God, and you, you change us by your words, that when we listen and hear from you and we respond to that, that you change us. And I pray that today, that as we read the words from the Bible, that you would do that, please, that we would not leave this place the same as we came in, but you would impact us and you would change us, please. Amen. Okay, so the Bible verse uh, that we're going from, and like many fantastic children's talks, it does a lot of my work for me. So, but we're going to go through it again. Okay, so here we have on the back of the um, the little leaflet you got there. This should actually be the Bible verse we're looking at, which is on Matthew, which is an account of Jesus' life written in the first century, and I'll read it out to you. Uh, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And as Joe said, that's a parable. And I'm sure most of us are familiar with parables. It's basically a very short story which illustrates a particular principle or lesson, uh, an analogy, if you will. But for this one, really, what we need to start with is that first sentence. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. And to understand really what Jesus is referring to, what we need to do, which is what you've got in your hands, is you need to see what he's just been talking about. These words of mine is basically the first two and a half chapters before this bit. This is right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is a very uh, well-known uh, block of Jesus' teaching. And it's, the teaching is not, see, it's not, it's not simply describing what you need to do if you want to follow him. It's not simply describing the t- characteristics of someone who uh, would claim to be a citizen of heaven. Um, 
he's actually saying in some ways, this is the best way to live your life. And of course, we don't have time now to go all the way through the Sermon on the Mount. But, with, but when it, when in that big section, he finishes them with this parable. And this parable isn't about trying to get into heaven. I know when I first read this, I kind of thought that's what it was. It's not about um, trying to be a good person. Jesus is saying, if you don't live your life following the principles I'm telling you, your house will collapse. In the choices you make, and the attitudes you adopt, you're kind of building a house. And you're either building it on rock, which is me, or you're building it on sand, which is not me. And anything in your life that is not aligned with me is going to crumble when the weather turns. This isn't even about Jesus saying, you can avoid trouble if you follow me. He never promises that. He says, when the rains come, when the floods rise, you will experience unexpected heartbreak. You experience loss of loved ones, financial difficulties, ill health. When the weather turns, this is what happens. And all these things will crush you if you're not committed to investing in a belief system that's based on me. If it's based on anything other than what I'm telling you, this is what you're going to experience. If you follow me and put into action all I've told you, you will know security and peace even when panic and disaster are knocking at your door. But if you don't hear my instruction, or you do hear it, and you choose to do the opposite, then you're an idiot. The Bible says fall, but I wanted to update it so we didn't lose the potential for being offended. Now that's quite a statement that Jesus is making here. He's saying there's something about his words and his principles that prepares us for trouble. His guidance and teaching somehow provides stability and security during dark times and difficult times. So the question we need to ask ourselves, and as we say, we haven't really got time to answer it fully, is, um, so what is this teaching, Flicks? If we're meant to be adhering to the, the words Jesus has been talking about, what's he been talking about? And that's, basically, I've given you that, that pamphlet, so you can take it home and answer that question for yourself to some extent. Hello there. But... I'm just going to show you a few of the highlights that are within, I say highlights, I mean I'm going to summarise in part some of the um, sections of, of the Sermon on the Mount. And you've got loads in here, you have the Beatitudes, which is blessed are the poor, the meek, uh, all, the, all those bits and pieces, and also you've got the Lord's Prayer which is in there. But let me just run through a couple of these ones, and um, let's see how they go. Now each of these you could do a 20 minute talk on to be fair, but here we go. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Nice easy one to start with. If anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven. And it's a great line, this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm going to keep going. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Last one, not everyone, says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's hard stuff, isn't it? Sounds pretty harsh, Flicks, some of these things. And you're right. And this would have been exactly the same reaction at the time. People would have found this difficult teaching to process. Just because it's 2,000 years ago doesn't mean they would have found this any easier. But it's a narrow way. That's Jesus describes it as the narrow way. So your question may be, well, Flicks, Flicks, why on earth would I even choose Jesus' way then? If this is the narrow way, I know there are easier ways of living my life. Why would I choose this? And you're right, there are plenty of different ways you can live your life, which are fine and fairly inoffensive. Jesus hasn't got a monopoly on how to live a good life, has he? And even at the time that uh, Jesus was saying this, there were other teachers around, there were other rabbis, there were other cultures who were influencing people, the Romans, the Greeks, a few others around there as well. And you may even say, well, don't we know enough nowadays anyway, Flick? So we've had years of different ideologies, philosophies, religions. You know, aren't we in a position now that we can pick and choose the wisdom and knowledge that's available? Do you not have to sign up to a particular philosophy to uh, know how to live a good life, really, which just has common sense and value and meaning? And you could say there's no generic way to live anyway. You know, not that everyone can agree on. But let's not fool ourselves. Because all of us are living by some form of teaching or another. We all live by a code of ethics, values which we deem appropriate for behaviour and attitude. And we may take that wholesale as a particular ism which we like, or we may pick a mix from the available choices and things that suit our preference and natural inclinations. And it all comes from somewhere, and it could either be, could either be your family or influence, um, it could be you actually conversely reacting against your family's influence, it could be uh, thinkers or authors that you respect, or celebrities who you respect, newspapers, TV, film, advertising, and media is constantly telling us what we should think about things, what is a priority and what's an appropriate way to live our lives. We may not call it teaching, but it's the same thing. And not even, I'm not even saying it's all unhealthy, but it's very hard to get away from the words of Jesus if you're going to look at them seriously. He's saying, if you're not paying attention to my words and you're not putting into action my teaching, then you're building a house in the wrong place, on sand. And you're an idiot. Again, it says fall in the Bible, but that's why some of you may have missed being offended the first time. Okay. But it's like Jesus drawing a, land, a line in the sand, if you will. But the question remains, why Jesus? Why is he more valid than all the other options? Why should I listen to Jesus over all the other teachers? There's been plenty of them around. The Dalai Lama, uh, Muhammad, Al Ron Hubbard. Buddha, Guru Nanak, Joseph Smith. You can name a whole selection of different teachers through history. Or even, why is Jesus better than what I come up with myself anyway? And here's why. Here's the reason. And this, to some extent, is the decider for whether you're in or out. For whether you are into this Jesus movement or whether you are not into this Jesus movement. And this could apply to Christians as well, so be aware. So why Jesus? Very simply, Jesus is God. The Almighty as a man. And I'm going to show you some other Bible verses now, which just, just illustrate this through his own words himself. 
I've underlined them slightly. So this is again from uh, various um, accounts of Jesus' life in John and Mark. I'm telling you the truth, Jesus replied to them. Before Adam was born, I am. Then they picked up some stones to throw at him and Jesus hid himself and left the temple. Now they would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about because the phrase I am is how God described himself to Moses. is the name he took on himself when he spoke to Moses in the Old Testament. So what Jesus saying I am was incredibly controversial which is why they started to throw stones at him or wanted to. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never die. No one can snatch them away from me. What my Father has given me is greater than everything and no one can snatch them away from the Father's care. The Father and I are one. And again we see people picked up stones to throw at him. They knew exactly what he was saying. And the last one, seeing how much faith they had, Jesus said to a paralyzed man, my son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers of the law who were sitting there thought to themselves, how does he dare talk like this? This is blasphemy. God is the only one who can forgive sins. You see, no one else really has claimed equality or divinity or equality with God. Not to this extent. You find many people through history who claim to be the mouthpiece of a deity or a prophet or a herald. And you are right, my amateur historian friends. There are many pharaohs and Caesars and Incas who would have claimed to have been gods, but that's a small g. And it would have been within a pantheon of other gods as well. But to claim to be God himself, the creator of the universe... It's unheard of outside of Jesus. And more than his teaching, really, this is what got him into trouble. When the authorities heard him saying this sort of stuff, that's when they were thinking, let's shut this guy up. And what I'm about to say is as true for the original hearers as it is for us now. Because if you honestly believe Jesus has the authority of the one who has the eternal perspective, who sees the beginning from the end, then you cannot ignore his words. In fact, you devour them as golden instruction for life. Okay, Flix, I know what you're saying. It's all very well, and with it part of the way. But this is still difficult stuff. This is still difficult. The, the Sermon on the Mount, what it's asking of us. I have no idea how to love my enemies. How do I love those who have caused me harm and pain? Flix, I've been looking at ladies all my life with a saucy eye. How on earth do I stop doing that? How on earth, Flix, can I be perfect as God is perfect? That's a bit much, isn't it? Well, here's the other part. Following Jesus is about a relationship. So it's not out of fear or guilt or some false obligation that we follow him. It's because we know him and he knows us. Let me just show you some other, here we are. There's a couple, there's a couple you can think of loads of other uh, Bible verses which illustrate this. These are from some of the letters um, written about Jesus. At one time you were far away from God and were his enemies because of his, the evil things you did and thought. But now by means of the physical death of his son, God has made you his friends in order to bring you holy, pure and faultless into his presence. And a beautiful one here, come near to God and he will come near to you. So if you only ever see Jesus' teaching as rules, you're going to get stuck. That's religion, you could say. And maybe even some people's experience of church and Christianity, a set of rules that you adhere to in the hope that you build up enough good deeds or holy activity, 
which then qualifies you to get into salvation or the afterlife or a high state of consciousness, nirvana, or whatever it is you want. But Jesus is different. It's not as simple as rules in a way. It's a relationship. And any adherence to principles for living comes out of that place. Knowing him and him knowing us. It starts with salvation. It starts with God's grace and mercy as a gift. His grace and mercy is not the uncertain prize that we spend our whole life trying to earn. And in a way, you could, you could describe the Bible, the message of the Bible as a guidebook. But you have the opportunity to know the guide, personally. And so it's not simply really... Uh, taking the message and trying to squeeze it into our 21st century contemporary lives, trying to fit it in somehow, it's actually the other way around. It's about taking our lives and applying them to his teaching. It's understanding his timeless and eternal perspective, his message, and then seeing how our modern lives need to change to fit in with what we've learned. And it is hard. Even in relationship with Jesus, it is not a wide road. But here's the good news. When you spend time with him, regularly putting his kingdom principles into practice, into your life, as much as we might mess up at times, as much as it might feel like we're going down a dead end, when we start to put his principles into practice, we start, we start to change. And we become more like him. When you recognise your need for him and realise that, that, you, that you've been building or all your best laid plans have actually been built on sand... And when your ego and your false identity, when your false securities get pushed out of the way, that's kind of when he moves in. Focus and motives change. You start, you, see, you start to see your circumstances and your other relationships from his point of view. And I'm going to wrap up there in a minute. So could the band just come up a second while I just while I read just these Bible verses over you? And feel free... Just to close your eyes and just consider these as I read them. All of us then reflect the glory of the Lord with uncovered faces. And that same glory coming from the Lord, who is the Spirit, transforms us into his likeness in an ever greater degree of glory. You have been raised to life with Christ, so set your hearts on the things that are in heaven, where Christ sits on the throne at the right hand side of God. Keep your minds fixed on things there, not on things here on earth. And so I'm sure that God, who began this good work in you, will carry it on until it's finished on the day of Christ Jesus, the end of time. But after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who calls you to share his eternal glory in union with Christ, will himself perfect you and give you firmness, strength and a sure foundation. So in summary, difficult times will come. How you live your life matters. So is your house being built on the sand? Or is your house being built on the rock? And let me just uh, pray to close. Thank you, Jesus, for your words. Thank you for what you did for us. Not just your teaching, but by giving your life so we could come to know you so that we can be made whole. Help us please today 
just engage more and more with who you are and your words. Show us, please, for each of our individual situations, how we can apply what we have learned. Give us the inspiration again to read about you, to talk about you, to understand more about what you expect of us and how our lives can matter and how our lives can reflect you to the world around us. Change us, please, as I prayed at the beginning. And thank you. Amen.